Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. We were turned on to the idea of, of perpetual childhood. It's been sort of a slow burn conversation amongst, uh, I don't know. I mean, like uh, you can come at it from both the left or the right and come to similar conclusions, but for very different reasons. And people on this very call probably fall somewhere on the spectrum of remaining attached to childhood interests, at least beyond what right-wing curmudgeonly op-ed writers would say is appropriate, but we're going to kind of see if we can um, wade through the world of adults being interested in things targeted primarily at children and see if we can come up with a definitive answer of what's okay and what's not. So, Dion, you have a, a Batman symbol hanging on the wall over your shoulder. Would you like to kick off this conversation? <laughs> well, sure. So there was a, you, you sent out the article of like Bill Maher trashing the idea of people hanging on to childhood stuff. And the clapback was a writer who pointed out that Bill Maher, part of his whole stick is smoking weed and having sex with women. that are way too young for him to be around. And that's pretty childish too. And it's like a lot of the focus of this like adult childhood thing is like the entertainment that people are interested in. And like me personally, like Batman, we've talked about it many, many times. I find it very enjoyable, but I do find it enjoyable for a different reason than I did when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, you know, it was, I'm going to be Batman and I can run around. But like now it's like a kind of a psychological exploration of like someone dealing with loss in probably like the most unhealthy way possible dealing with not being able to form attachments, but finally figuring out like it's, it's not just childish. Obviously he's wearing a bat costume and (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's some silliness attached to it. But I was thinking about like Batman specifically, like the current version that's, well, there's a couple, there's many versions. We've talked about this earlier. There's many versions right now, but like the current main version, I guess would be like Ben Affleck's Batman. And I compare and contrast that to Adam West Batman, which was campy and silly, but somehow more adult because it was aware of the silliness Mm. and Mm -hmm. being silly because it was being silly. Whereas the Batman Batfleck, version is hyper serious and has no joy and no acknowledgement of the fact that you're wearing a bat costume. So it's kind of silly. So I think, I think that's a, like that reminds me of like being a teenager when you can't be seen to be like silly in any way. So you're pretending this thing and then once you get past that, once you like, oh, nobody actually cares. You can be an adult and like be who you are. And that Batman was who he was, the Adam West version. And 
the Batfleck version is is pretending adulthood. And I think that's I think that's a distinction that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. No, I had not heard of Batfleck, but no, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Batfleck is a fascist. <laughs> like I, I, I have, I have, I have a lot of problems with him, which ties okay. into some some of this stuff later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I think the way, I mean, I, I, I touched on how you can come at this from the right or the left and, and see it for very different reasons. The right usually presents adults acting like children as though it's a brand new thing that has just started. And, you know, and it's mostly like people in New York acting wrong, according to their opinions, a deeper analysis demonstrates that this goes at least back to the boomers coming of age. They, they seem to be the first generation who are embracing their inner child and sort of kept hanging on to that for a long time. And and there are plenty of examples of foreign nationals looking at Americans and sort of assessing our culture to be quaintly adolescent because for decades and decades and not anything new, you know, full grown adult men have collected little antique toys or whatever. And so there's always been sort of some examples that you could point to of hanging on to childhood in a way that, you know, is, is an indicator of something. Yeah. I, I was going to point to, I don't know if anyone's listened to articles of interest, the spinoff of 99% invisible about clothing, but one of the interesting early episodes of that podcast talked about how like childhood didn't quite exist until like the mid 18 early to mid 1800s. So um, it was like very popular to dress kids up in miniature adult clothing. So like a suit made for a child or a like sailor suit made for a child and like that whole sailor suit thing and kids dressing in sailor suits kind of came out of an era where we dress children like adults, but in miniature. And then eventually, like there started to be a psychological uh, psychology movement of like, oh, maybe childhood is a is a stage that we should nurture more and that has like kind of specific guidance that should be part of it shouldn't just be like trying to make your child an adult as soon as possible. And so that like, ushered us into a whole new era. And I feel like in the 50s, we like, we peaked real hard with the boom of marketing that could then, you know, create like before that, yes, there were toys. Yes, there were, you know, books for children. But when we had TV, suddenly there were TV shows for children and characters and an expectation of um, you learning something from those people and stories and characters. And so it just like hit a a period where that we've never experienced in history before. So we're kind of like, I feel like our generation and the way we operate and the way we think about childhood is like sort of the second phase of that incredible boom of a childhood marketing era. And, you know, of course all the ads that we saw as kids pushing games and, you know, toys to have like, there has never really been an era like that before. So we're, we're all just ex- the experimental generations 
here. And so to like lambaste us for being interested in those things or wanting to hang on to them is, is rather silly. That's the important distinction. Like all this stuff, like is talking about like the aesthetics of like, you know, liking things that you would like when you're a kid. But I think what's more important is the behaviors. Like what, what's a childish behavior and what's an adult behavior. And there are some really valuable, like, you know, it's, it's in the Bible. Like Jesus says to be like a child. Does, does that mean play with toys or does that mean be open to learning, Mm -hmm. be generous, be caring, be all those things that are just innately easier for children because they haven't been beaten down by capitalist society yet. Those things are super positive. What a lot of parenting that, you know, anecdotally, I think is teaching delayed gratification, appreciating what you have, not centering yourself in every single situation. And I think those are the childish behaviors that our culture turns into to things that we're supposed to do. Like, I, I was thinking like this may be off in left field, but like gun culture to me is super childish mm. because <laughs> we all know whether you want to admit it or not, that ownership and distrib- distribution of guns leads to terrible outcomes. But the only reason that we haven't done anything about it is because of the childish belief that I want my toys. I get to have my toys. That's the childishness that I think we need to really deal with because that's destructive. That is a destructive quality in all kinds of children. I want my thing. And when it leads into, I want to play Zelda or I I want to watch Harry Potter, isn't the same as I need to have my murder weapons. We say we want to be challenged. We say we want to hear all sides, but that's not how we act when we seek out podcasts. I'm Mike Pesca, host of The Gist, and I'm crazy enough to think that we are up to the challenge. I challenge myself. I challenge my guests. I invite you in. We'll talk about such issues as masks. I mean, I know they work, but on a population level, the evidence is less than clear. Mass shootings, horrible, but they account for less than 1% of all shootings. Do we do ourselves and our society a disservice when we focus on them? These questions and more explored and challenged every day on The Gist, wherever you get your podcasts. The article we're discussing in this final segment is The End of the English Major from The New Yorker magazine. And this is a phenomenon that has been going along for a while. I I mean, Amanda, you did some searches yeah. and you're like, Oh, <laughs> people have been writing the same article for how long? At least a decade. Oh, at least like from 2006, 2013, I saw like a bunch of different, like the same headline, just in different, slightly different words. Yeah. <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, the, the major takeaway is that students entering college are not majoring in the humanities primarily do we agree that primarily it is because they are terrified of not being able to make enough money in a capitalist society where they are told endlessly that we need people to focus on STEM. We need science. We need uh, engineers. 
that's where the money is. And probably even more particularly computer engineers, coders, that sort of thing. And now we have ended up in a society where like people don't know, <laughs> don't know, like, I don't know how, how humans work or something like we, we, we have stopped studying ourselves. It's like, we, we don't really understand humans anymore. Yeah, they. I mean, this article's long, and they went on a, on a ride, and they focused on a lot of different different reasons, right? I mean, it's not just one reason. Like, it's certainly, kids going to college and trying to be able to make enough to pay off their student loans is a pretty big issue. But they also dove into the fact that colleges are investing in the other departments more so than the departments of the humanities. So you know, a lot of the students interviewed in the article were saying like, well, yeah, you're putting all the emphasis and all the money in <laughs> into places that are, in, you know, STEM related and science related and math related. So of course, like that's what's going to be seen. That's what's going to be valued. Like where you put the money matters, which I think is a, a fair enough point. And from the outside, it sounds like, I mean, they, they focused on Harvard a little bit, you know, these these big companies are kind of urging some of these universities to emphasize those specific majors because they would like to recruit kids straight out of college to be part of the Borg. And it is the Borg. <laughs> that is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely caught on my, on my second read through that uh, Zuckerberg gave yeah. um, Harvard half a billion dollars yeah. to fund AI. A half a billion. Yeah, there was an interesting little piece in that, like where they said a lot of the funding in the 50s and 60s for the humanities was backed by the CIA because <laughs> yeah, there was, was a, a, a motivation to sell culture. And yeah. the replacement is big business, not even pretending anymore. They don't have to pretend. They just go to the schools and say, we'll give you this money. Mm-hmm. We want these workers in this field. So the CIA had to pretend to front groups, businesses, they're just up front. Like we we don't care about this stuff anymore. We want workers. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. I mean, at one point there was one student who I believe if I interpret it correctly, said that her freshman year, these companies were trying to scout and sort of influence her major. Like say like, if you go this track, we'll hire you right out of school. Like what the hell? I didn't have any company trying to, you know, influence my major. And I can't imagine what that would feel like because you obviously want a job out of school and the pressure to get a job out of school is very high. So I'm sure that works on a lot of people. And that's like this, you know, with the childhood adult thing, like defining terms, like what does it mean to get an education now? Like what, what is it for? What is it supposed to be for? What, what good is it? And now it seems like it is only a commodity that you can use to make more money. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. And so, exactly. One of the quotes from this article that, that really stuck out to me was as we instrumentalize higher education, students question the whole bundling of a BA is a college education quote worth it is a humanities degree worth mm-hmm. it. What does that mean? And how have we shaped society in such a way that that question goes through people's minds? I mean, what what do people mean by worth it? Does anyone mean like 
how can I be the the most like well-rounded and fulfilled human being over the course of the next, uh, you know, 80 years of my life, if I'm lucky, most likely not. We have taught people to figure out how their education will play into their future economic prospects only. A couple, uh, it came up a couple times in the article. That's it for today's free sample. There's lots more of that particular episode, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads in the regular show. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com, and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or, again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestofleft.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.